0: Breakfast puppies?
1: This podcast contains adult language and content and is meant for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
0: Okay, man. Roll a saving throw versus listening to the Glitter Boys.
1: Righteous. All right. Cool, cool, cool.
0: Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're back to everyone's favorite segment of the Glitter Boys. Today, we are doing a Rifter number six. At this rate, we should be done in four years, five years with the Rifters, <laughs> assuming they don't start again.
1: Yeah, I, who, who knows uh, w- what? There's 80 something of them out now. Yeah, it, it's going to take a while.
0: <laughs> I, I suppose the long and short of it is, folks, don't worry about us running out of source material because <laughs> this is Palladium and we've got lots. So Rifter number 6, March 1999. It starts with uh, the 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 foreword that Kevin always does and you can see him becoming excited about the growth of this, which which I really like. There's something when you when you watch a project that you've poured a lot of effort into begin to take off feels it just it feels really good. It's a good feeling.
1: I agree. Especially when you can really gloat about it, like the excitement that you have for the amount of fans that you have for for the Rifter. And, you know, the Rifter was always kind of a smaller project. So, mm-hmm. you know, for them to be in the tens of thousands here, that's, that's pretty awesome for such a small endeavor.
0: Let's see. He actually finishes up fairly fast for Kevin, but that's because he goes into a big long coming attractions and
1: news. Yeah, this is where we hear about the novels. This is where we hear about some other books that are going to be coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is also where he goes on this kind of a, a strange, somewhat repressed <laughs> rant about Gen Con. <laughs> Apparently, something bad happened to Gen Con 98. Not quite sure what it was, but they're not going in 1999. So, if you were looking forward to seeing them in 1999, unfortunately, Newsflash, they will not be there.
0: It also goes into something that uh I think is still affecting them today the the problems with miniatures, their costs, what, uh, I, I like how. Like, the, we won't talk about Gen Con, but this company that fucked up our miniatures and just, like, won't talk to us, we are going to blast them.
1: This is another sadly recurring theme with Palladium, and that theme is vendors who just don't quite sync up with them or outright let them down. Yeah. We're going to see this a lot. It's going to be happening again coming up in these rifters with the uh, the video game. And then it's going to be happening again, coming up uh, with more stuff. And, of course, everybody knows whatever the hell that went wrong with Robotech. But that, whew, another, another whole story.
0: <laughs> that'll, that'll be a side segment. You know, honestly, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ready to, to do that. I, 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 I am too beloved of the properties. I don't really want to look at that.
1: Honestly, yeah. Uh, quick, Just a quick chat on that. I, I, I agree. I think we should just not. It's, yeah. it's one of those that I feel that there has been so much negativity on the other day, just on a whim, I went and looked at the Kickstarter and it still got just a slew of people bombarding it with negative comments who apparently uh, their entire life's purpose is just bitching about a failed Kickstarter. And I get it. You know, excitement dies. Um, it, it sucks to be disappointed. And especially if you've got money on the line. But again, it's Kickstarter and uh, these guys have done yeah. so much good. So much good. L- w- let's not focus on the bad. Yeah. That's my opinion.
0: I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I, I think that's that's probably the way forward. Anyway, back to the Rifter. Uh, it talks about the books you're going to get. It gives you the, the things, and then it goes in a completely different direction. And instead of stuffing them in the middle, you get another party wipe by my favorite, the Knights of the Dinner Table. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this one... Uh, actually ties into something later in the game, which is problem players at the table, which yeah. is people working against the uh, people working against the party for their own for their own good.
1: I think that this comic should have been placed a few pages further in so that it could like sit right next to the article that's coming up. Yeah. That you're Talking about. Yeah.
0: But uh, once again, I love me some uh, KODT. Uh, we have a great actual segment uh, for Palladium role playing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fantasy set uh, setting, which is assassins and assassin guilds in that setting. Now, this is a great piece of world building here.
1: What I love so much is the in-depth look at the different cultural takes on assassins. Yeah. Like it's it's pretty cool. It's, it's a depth that you don't often get on these laser-focused subjects.
0: Mm-hmm. Also, whenever I see Lopan in uh Palladium Fantasy, I can't <laughs> I can't help. You are not put on the earth to get it, Mr. Burton.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, it's um uh, yeah, it's it's just a thing. <laughs> yeah, it goes into um uh the, the assassins in the the various areas of the uh of the setting. It it talks about how to how to create your own and then talks about uh some of the guilds, their customs, their rates. Uh, it goes into the union fees for <laughs> belonging to to, yeah. to some of them. It even goes into something while I something I really like, which is something I've never quite managed to bring to the table, but I've always wanted to, and that is the uh, the the honorable hatchet man trope, where you where you kill, but you kill for the greater good. You're you're an assassin with ethics and morals. And I like that. I like that a lot.
1: That's a yeah, that's another recurring theme in a lot of palladium games, especially yeah. because of that oh so lovable aberrant alignment. Yeah. One thing I do love here though, uh, following the Assassins article, it goes into the development of guilds now. You know, you of course can immediately apply this to assassins, given that it like immediately follows that article. But this whole guild development system. Which is simply an adaptation mm-hmm, of Palladium's mini, mm-hmm. you know, company or organization development rules that they have—the ABCD listings. This takes that, applies it to building a guild, and you can do a merchant guild, you can do a thieves guild, you can do a wizard's guild. It's it, if it can be gilded, you can use the system to build it.
0: Yeah, and it's a pretty smooth system with uh, with with points. What those points cost, where you can where where you can spend them, what you get. What kind of uh, background and infrastructure you have? Like, is is this a lonely stronghold? Is this in a city? Is this surrounded by a small farming community? It's it's really well thought out. It it goes into budgets, and I I do know that budget meetings are everyone's favorite way to spend a Saturday night.
1: Oh dear God! Especially discussing dress codes,
0: mm. <laughs> also, <laughs> which is also a part of this. Oh, and and yeah. there's a uh, you know salaries.
1: And then it breaks it down into a system that even players can use to build their own guilds, which I love.
0: Yeah, it's honestly pretty smooth. And like you were saying, you can use this for any number of things, like even, you know, a Drover or Carter's guild. One, one of the things that I truly, truly love about Palladium is the, the emphasis on flavor and not just heroes constipated leaping at the bad guys. <laughs> the, the, these are the things in your world it's not you're in the grand city of olek Thap. now what are you going to do here we find the fence we buy potions and we leave well
1: no. <laughs> no yeah it's not just things to stab and things to stab those things with
0: yeah to this day and any any flaws aside and including budget meetings it is it is the the richest system for building flavor and for world building that I've I've ever seen. There are there are systems that that already do that that bring you into a full fledged world like uh, any of the the merps the the old Middle Earth role playings. Um, you know a, a well moody, well understood world, very developed. But this this gives you the opportunity to make your own place in it in a way that no other system really has and. I I love that.
1: Agreed. I would love to see some kind of collected, um, all all of these generate your organization, build your town systems that Palladium has done throughout Mm -hmm. the Rifters, throughout their world books. I would love to see somebody like take them all and put them in one big binder or reference book.
0: Like the, like the, the Palladium world builder.
1: Mm hmm. They've got mm. some stuff in the Megaverse Builder book, which one day we'll get to. But the what I'm talking about are all of these like these tables, like, you know, everybody knows the traveling show table because it's in like eight books. But what about building the towns or the, mm. the mercenary guild where uh, the mercenaries company ones from uh, the Rift Smirks books and and this here? And there's there's dozens of them, if, if not. Yeah. If not multiple dozens, <laughs> you know, I'm getting all excited I love tables.
0: (laughs) It is. And you're, you're, you're like me. You have a, uh, you have a a great love for lore. You have a great love for being able to delve deeper than the surface and, and tell a story that's not, that that's not resolving around hack and slash. That's resolving around role-playing. That's resolving around your characters. Actually, your players actually thinking like their characters problems that can't be solved. With with guns and and swords, and Palladium will let you do that, and they they throw they throw OCCs and RCCs out there for those players. And man, I'm I'm feeling a lot of admiration today. I, I suppose <laughs> is what it is. The more I explore, and you know, I thought I was a fan at the beginning, but the more I explore into what they've developed, the more I understand the overriding subtlety of what they're trying to say and how they're trying. To enable players to play.
1: I'll drink to that. Even though I'm not drinking today. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's the old gods. The Russian gods. Speaking of lore. We have a lot more here. This I believe must have come out. Around the same time as Rift's Mystic Russia. You know Mm -hmm. I never read Mystic Russia. So I'm looking forward to us getting to it. On this show. But I do love. Gods. In the Palladium role playing game specifically. Their take on gods and deific figures just just blows my mind. I love it. It it is my RPG cosmology. It's the Palladium fantasy cosmology. You mm-hmm. know, everybody's got the 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 RPG gods that they grew up with in their first system. Like so many people I know, because of Third Ed, got the the Greyhawk gods, and of course oh, now yeah. so many people are back into the Forgotten Realms gods. But for me, it's the Palladium gods. Because they're wonderful and rich and quirky, and these are no exception. These unique take on classic Russian deities.
0: So, when you say quirky, would you be referring to Mokosh, or as she is known, the Moist
1: Earth Mother? (laughs) They're all. I mean, she's she's basically a fucking mountain, and and then yeah, (laughs) they're they're all very interesting. Yeah, I mean,
0: she hangs out with Payrun, but I mean, she's not really that into him, but he's that into her. Like I love all these little hints of the it's it's almost Greek where you know uh he he visited her in a the guise of a year's supply of microwave popcorn and then she ate it and then all of a sudden they had an offspring I mean it's just it's it's fun and it's well developed.
1: I don't know the name of this artist that's not uh let's see um i i I don't actually remember the name of the artist he he did a lot of the The one who does all the dot he does all the gods in this um. Uh, mm-hmm. And I know uh, he did Mount Nimro, which was a Palladium fantasy book. And he's done a lot of stuff. I just love his fantasy art. It's, I like, I've always liked the the lots of dot style. Yeah, 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 definitely. So Palladium gods, here's an example. There's uh, the dragons and gods book for Palladium fantasy it introduces, uh, well, it doesn't introduce. It just goes into a much, much, much greater detail on the Palladium gods. And the ones that I found uh, especially fascinating were the northern gods, the northern pantheon. Because, Mm -hmm. again, Palladium does its quirkiness. All of the northern pantheon gods are presented with an associated quip of some kind. Because all of them are ultimately, in some way, connected uh, connected to and doomed by... The failings of their all father, and, and yeah. each one of them has like <laughs> this is how he fucked up this god's life, and it's like, <laughs> it's, it's just so cool.
0: I like that it, it, it once again it follows it it follows the concept of humanistic gods with all the failings and desires of humans, just mm-hmm. bigger and more powerful. I I, I generally prefer pantheons because. I mean, both, both in my personal life and, and in my, my fantasy life, because I, I love the interplay of powers as opposed to a font of all power.
1: Yes. If, yeah. if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I like I gods know. that have, uh, that complement each other. I mm-hmm. like gods that also have overlapping areas so that they have a reason to either work together or bicker. And mm-hmm. I do love it when they are not all powerful, you know, when they are fallible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And they have their little foibles. I would love to see, and I don't know if there's like any interest, but uh, whenever I read some of the the older golden age fantasy, like uh, like Mary Stewart's Crystal Cave series, I'm always struck by the the smaller gods, like the god of this forest or the goddess of that river and the small shrines and offerings built in the, and the small gifts that they give to those who... Re- revere them in in the small ways you know you you pass a you know you're you're thirsty and you pass a a hidden spring that that goes into a mossy pool and as you approach to fill up your canteen you see a a small pile of stones and some small some small copper coins feeling it proper you leave one and you know when you drink that water you feel more refreshed than you do with normal <laughs> water i would love to see a a mechanic like that that just re- rewards reverence and paying attention to the things around you and also gives a small punishment to the thief who lifts all the copper coins out of out of said puddle in sylvan glen yeah so as long as palladium still loves tables i would like to see a little god's table please
1: (laughs) (laughs) the 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 smallish gods the godlings yeah Uh, i know that they do have godlings in one of the books so uh, when we get to that we'll hopefully see some more
0: um so yeah gods 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 lots of gods uh with different powers, different realms of of influence. I like the Barbarian God a lot. I like his faces. Mm-hmm.
1: I like that he's also a gigantic bastard. Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, he he looks like a uh, second edition D&D troll.
1: Yeah. He's got that kind of Etten thing going yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, after that, we've got an extended article with some more Game Master advice uh, about focusing on fun. I've got mixed feelings on this. I feel that it's a little long winded. I I think that it could have been shorter.
0: I do too. It does feel like a a make piece that's repeated. A lot of it is repeated in the front of literally every palladium book. That said, it does tie in well And some, I mean, I like, I've seen a lot of things in this particular article that, that you've agreed with, you know, emphatically
1: around, around um, your games. I will say, however, there is one bit that I found to be very bad advice. Let's see if I can pull it up. Um, There was... uh, What page was it? It's... uh, There's a part in here basically about dealing with problem players... Oh, yeah. And one Keep of the scrolling. Uh, yeah, I just trying to remember which one it was. But I remember reading this earlier today. And one of the things really bothered me because it's suggesting what I consider to be bad advice. Advice from an older time of gaming, which I don't mm. actually think was ever good advice then. And it definitely not good advice now. And that is if a player is bothering you, take things out on their character. No, 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 no. Because no, that's cheap and petty. If a player is bothering you, if they're not listening, if they're not, you know, syncing up with the group, you need to do this thing called speaking to another human being. And the two mm-hmm. of you need to sit and talk like humans, like like actual people in a society and work out the problems. Because if all you're going to do is just passive aggressive, take things out on their character, you're not solving a problem, GMs. You're just making it worse.
0: I think you're right when you say that is a... A, a refuge from an older era of of role playing, and yeah. remember, this is twenty three years old now. Like mm-hmm. this magazine can drink and has drank for a couple of years. It, it might not even like tequila because of that one night. This is an old magazine.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it hasn't. It hasn't uh, matured to to better drinks than tequila.
0: <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's it's still in drop shots. Uh it does have some good stuff in there though. It's like uh remembers that uh, the GM is not the evil overlord. Mm-hmm. It and it does give some decent advice for um for some some problem, some some problem personalities at your table. I don't think it would fly now, but for for the time, it was better than smack them down and rack up another total <laughs> party kill sticker on your GM
1: shield. So, yeah.
0: When, what, when looked at at the time, it was pretty good.
1: Now, some of it I actually do like a lot, and uh, which is actually most of it. A lot of this is very good advice. It's just a little long-winded, and I strongly disagree with that one point. But there's a little bit in here talking about uh, you know dealing with your NPCs. And one of, one of my favorite bits here is thinking how real people act. Yeah. I try and do that with every NPC I come up with even if they're the bad, the bad guys, the soldiers, whatever Mm -hmm. still, you know, I try and think of each one of those coalition grunts that the party is mowing down as somebody who, you know, has lived 18 to 20 something years of their life. That means that they also have interests. They have ideas, they have ideals. They maybe have a brother and sister back home. And these, I'm not trying to make people feel guilty about it, but I use that to try and what would this person do in an extreme situation? Like. and I think that it's very important for GMs to always remember and, and players definitely too. But for GMs, you have a harder time of it because there's mm-hmm. so many people you have to run. Got to remember how real people act. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Like uh, the, the vast majority of, of, human, of human guards, even at the uh, evil overlords lair, are not going to fight to the very last unless they are ensorcelled. Like, uh, facing overwhelming odds, they're not going to stand there and get farmed by you, (laughs) you know? They are going to throw down their weapons and run back to their evil overlord housing to find their, you know, evil overlord bride and child. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, things to keep in mind that, uh, once again, you know, world building, flavor. This isn't, Palladium has never been a MOOC system.
1: Yeah, you You could run it that way, certainly. But the amount of time that it takes to create characters, the fact that even NPCs are given with full systems of creation, you don't necessarily Mm -hmm. have to, you know, roll out each and every monster. But I think the fact that they are all presented as options for players makes it so that you as a GM get more of an opportunity to think of them as actual people. And honestly, at the end of the day, we're 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 there to hear the story
0: uh we're there to step step into a world if we weren't we wouldn't be sitting around with dice we'd be playing a video game yep so it's it's absolutely okay to have the you know the the disposable guard begging for mercy and pleading for his family <laughs> That could lead to some really
1: grim table scenes. So
0: maybe you strike that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Just thinking of the people that I've played with and how they might react. Honestly, I think most of the people that I've played with in the last few years would play it straight. You know, they mm-hmm. they would actually have some appreciation for something like that.
0: It sounds like you're you're speaking with some gladness of of what's happening now. But there is there is a shadow over what has happened in
1: the past. I've played with some people who were murder hobos at the table but also at maybe had a little bit of murder hobo in them for real kind of thing so yeah i've had some some darkness in my old games
0: (laughs) (laughs) um okay so that's uh that's the advice columns and it's a big one
1: it's a good long read yeah
0: yeah there's a an adventure for ninjas and super spies
1: it's pretty short you know what
0: five pages uh, and then it has a couple uh, new new martial
1: arts to to go with it. Looks like just the one, uh, Kenpo, the art art of Hawaiian bone breaking. Oh yes, yeah, which looks pretty badass, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem too out too unbalanced. Uh, seems uh pretty direct. I, don't quote me on that. <laughs> I didn't run right. the numbers, <laughs> but just at a glance, looks okay.
0: And then, uh, you know, Gangsters and Monsters, which I actually think could be a small system all on its own. Or Organized Crime RCC for uh, Nightbane.
1: Yeah, this is a fascinating... o c c excuse me. This is a very interesting approach to Nightbane content. Because, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I think it works. I think it works very well because, as I've said in the past, one thing I love about Nightbane is that there are factions Nightbane is not just, you know, oh, no, the world's exploding. Go forth and kill the monsters. Nightbane is complex and layered and has gold or factions with goals. And here we just have more ways to add another faction. That's not many details on a faction, but I don't think you really need that many details on the mafia to put them in your game. <laughs> you yeah, know? We, we all we all we all know mafia. We've all <laughs> seen the movies. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Keep the change. You filth the animal. I mean, yeah.
0: <laughs> I honestly like that because let, let's look at an apocalypse for a second, just just for fun. The, there'll be two very easy ways to climb back up. One, you've spent your civilized life preparing for an uncivilized life in your bunker in the desert, so you have your food, your water, your ammo. Cops don't have that. They they check out everything, but their but their personal firearm. Armies don't have that. They all their stuff is secured. They have whatever they like they leave everything on base when they go home. Who does have all their shit because they're paranoid and they have it in a central location?
1: That would be the wise guy OCC, the clean, <laughs> the cleaner OCC, and uh, the mechanic OCC. I,
0: I like using mm-hmm. organized crime as a power base after an apocalypse. I think it's it's incredibly smart they they've already stockpiled they they've already have their network it is it is their network controlled by them it is not contingent upon powers being let loose from from up high a chain of command like it's it's there the mob boss sits in front of his giant pile of cocaine with a bunch of guys with a lot of guns and rooms full of weapons and ammo they're they're fine they're ready for this (laughs) yeah I, i i think it's it's brilliant
1: and then after that, we have more stuff uh for another game system. This time we're going into Heroes Unlimited with uh, a bunch of robots. Uh Hunter Robotics is a new organization, and they have a whole bunch of robots for your heroes to fight.
0: <laughs> I especially like the bug robots, the, the the skeeter bots. Yeah. I also like the the, the Sentinel-esque containment robots for uh hunting down oh, yeah. supers. You know, we really have to do. We have to give Heroes Unlimited a real treatment soon. You and I, because we're we're coming across all the various side materials of it in our little explorations here, and you and I need to sit down and and do it. I know,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know J-
0: who, Jacob gave gave it the treatment, but you and I are. I feel a bit more unfamiliar with it than we should be.
1: Yeah, I think if somebody wants to step up and run a Heroes Unlimited session, uh, for us, uh, I'll I'll play. Yeah, same. If someone. Would like to do that. That'd be great. I'll even try and take it seriously. Yeah. Oh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Robots, 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 bug bots.
1: And then Mongolia, Mongolia for rifts. And I like it. It's very, I mean, it's clearly somebody decided to create a post-apocalyptic culture, heavily inspired, 100%, you know, beat by beat inspired by the, Mm. the ancient Mongolians. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the Mongol empires and whatnot. But what I like, it's not racist. <laughs> like, yeah. like, they didn't make them, you know, mongoloids or blah, 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 or whatever. They they made cat people. And they're yeah. badass.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. just looking at the first picture, I totally hear fleet horse, falcons at your wrist, and the wind in your hair.
1: Yeah, they're all awesome. This is, this yeah. is a nice... Uh, oh, uh, they're... They're also SDC creatures. I love mm-hmm. seeing more SDC creatures because you know Agreed. the the fiction talks about how SDC is the standard, not not the rarity, and yet we always see MDC, MDC, MDC. So yeah. more SDC creatures, yes, always a big plus in my book.
0: I have always like I played a wimic in an old D and D campaign. I like playing felines. I, I'm I'm good with felines.
1: I played an I played a drow assassin who got polymorphed into a wimmick.
0: Nice. Did he ever go back? I wouldn't see any reason to do so.
1: Uh, well, it was, the character was an assassin slash thief and the wimmick it changed everything. I was just like, this isn't the character that I wanted to play. So I, I, you know, let that character drift away and did something else.
0: I, I, I remember Varroar Howl song quite fondly. Anyway. Yeah. So, uh, Mongolian step cats in armor with swords well they also have
1: a new magician type that uh, they don't get spells instead they summon spirits and the spirits have uh you know times that they will hang out with them and they'll give them bonuses Mm -hmm. but they can also function different tasks and there are dozens of them in this we got spy spirits that are like the mouse the weasel the the snake Mm -hmm. we have warrior spirits like the lynx and the eagle and the leopard and workers and then the ant and the ox and so on these are Mm -hmm. This is an interesting take on magic, on spirit-based magic that, uh, you know, it's kind of in some way close to what you were saying about small gods. These these are the small gods of the region. What do you call the mouse spirit in the second moon? (laughs) They have their own body armor and I ran the numbers on this and it's not, Mm. it's, there's nothing wrong with it. This is all pretty, pretty well balanced against the rifts that was out at the time. Yeah. Yeah, new weapons, some mega damage weapons, um, some, some new monsters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we have a comic book,
0: a small mini comic book.
1: This is the first part of the Machinations of Doom comic. Now, they would later put that into a graphic novel. And publish that separately, but all of it is in the next this in the next few issues of the Rifter. It's really good. It's by Ramon Perez, who is mm-hmm. my favorite Palladium mm-hmm. artist. Uh, he did uh, for me. He he was the New West and the Lone Star artist. I just love his slick style.
0: Yeah, it's it's very uh, think like early Frank Miller with lots of uh, reverse shadowing. If, yeah. if you've never seen it, it's it's actually really good. I've always loved this particular style. I find it very dramatic and easy to read on a number of formats. Um, Like it's, it's really easy to get drawn in if you're holding the actual paper, but if you're, if you're a PDFer, it's, it's, it's still easy on the eyes and still carries that same sense of drama, which a lot of drawing styles do not in my experience, but the, the heavy, overly dramatic reverse black and white. I, I've, I've always loved it. I've loved it every time I've seen it. And this is, it's beautiful. I lo- it's great.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. And after that, we've got more continuations of the ongoing long-form stories that have been in mm-hmm. all the Rifters so far. Hammer of the Forge, which is a Phase World series, I believe. Yeah, three galaxies. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the ongoing Siege Against Tolkien.
0: Yeah. And yeah, then it's just uh, back covers and your credits roll. Yep. It's it's a Rifter. It's a good one. Mm-hmm. I, I actually miss... I miss periodicals, uh, uh, novels being chopped into periodicals or written for periodicals. There used to be a lot more of those like astounding and amazing and fantastic worlds and all those weird pulpy places for authors to cut their teeth before mm-hmm. they kind of moved on to big time. And I, I think that's something I, I that's something I really miss in the modern world of publishing. There's we- not a
1: lot left we get it now sometimes on blogs some of my favorite books these days actually started as long-form blog books uh there's a an author named michael j sullivan who wrote the rayera revelation series uh the basically a what i feel is a very solid successor to Fawford and the gray mauser and oh wait wait wait. uh Again, what was that? Favorite in the Grey mouser No no no. What was the name of the series he says? Oh, uh, paper? uh the name of the series is uh well Okay, the first book in the series is called Theft of Swords. It's it just it's about two main characters, Royce and Hadrian, who are very competent. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I've been looking yeah. for something around that and yeah. I I am gonna read it.
0: <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Um uh, yeah. that was Rifter, guys. It's if you're like us and you're you're collectors of this, there's good stuff in there. You want it. I think there's a lot of portability in this one. Uh, especially um the gods. Those gods could be uh have the Russian part of their name filed off and moved into any any setting that you have. They're they're standard tropes. The names are not notably not notably like Russian in extraction they would work for a number of cultures or alien cultures or anything like that. And you could literally straight port those. So if you, if you need a a, a pantheon in a pinch in a hurry, there's a really good one in this
1: book. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Uh, And uh, this episode, if I'm timing this correctly, at some point next week, we'll do a special recording and release about uh, us talking about the Jack McKinney book, uh, Genesis. I'm really excited about that. Concluding our first book club, we'll talk about our thoughts on the book as well as our thoughts on, you know, a book club. I'm already thinking of some things that we could have done a little bit better as in, you know, doing it like an actual book club because really all we're doing is just talking about a book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
0: But that said, you still have time to go out and get that. Um, It's not a long read. It'll take you a night or two uh, depending on how fast you read. And uh, it's a great book if if you love Robotech. We'd love it if you read along with us.
1: All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Glitter Boys, a Palladium Books fan podcast. Glitter Boys, Rifts, the Megaverse, and all other such topics are the property of Kevin Sambita and Palladium Books. Please buy all their stuff and help keep them in print and making more games. You can order directly at palladiumbooks.com, and their entire catalog is available digitally at DriveThruRPG as well. Our opening music is 8-Bit Bass and Lead by FurbyGuy from freesound.org. This closing music is Caravana by Philip Gross, available at freemusicarchive.org
0: I'm not sure when the talking starts. I see you playing with the buttons, yeah. So I'm gonna make the lights move with air pushing out of my meat. I vibrate and modulate the meat, and that's how we make sounds, yeah. You should actually, I'm gonna save that.